about the things people love to hate and hate to love and we're your hosts shelby and matt oh my gosh shelby it's been so long since i've seen you <laughs> i know i can't even remember what you look like you know it's just been, been like ages for full 24 hours <laughs> <sighs> after at least we're back to not having to look at each other while we record this yeah that was awkward was but we like, got through uh, it we, yeah. we figured it out <laughs> Yeah, just a constant uh, avoidance of eye contact. Just finding a corner and staring at that. And it was good, I feel like, to be in person one last time for the podcast <laughs> before we wrap it up when you move later no. this summer. No. You know, we're on our sort of TV farewell tour. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was it was a good, it was it's good. Um, you know, it was nice to to be in Houston one last time with you, to be podcasting <laughs> near the end of our run. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. I I have faith in us and so do our listeners, but if you wanna if you wanna be a hater, if you wanna end this pisser train, I guess I can't, you oh, know, gosh, force not your the hand. Pissers. Oh, <laughs> the I feel like we've pissers. avoided that for a, a bit. <laughs> uh, um Well yes, I was in Texas with you and Rob and Penny and your dog Lupe. <laughs> um but Enjoy. I flew back last night. I got to my apartment at a lovely two AM. Um and then got to get up yeah, and get rough. to work. And, you know, a, a vacation is nice, but the day back from a vacation is always like, I have no groceries. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah just, I'm, I don't have any toothpaste. I have to like <laughs> run around and go shopping. It was, I had therapy today. It was, oh, a, it was a lot going on. Yeah. Well, did you have time to dig into the news of the week to educate our listeners on what's been happening? I mean, sort of. I feel like that my news cycle currently is like stuck between Sundance, the Sundance Film Festival that's going on. And there's a lot of like news coming out of it, but it's mostly about movies that we won't be watching for, you know, months now. And then the Oscar nominations, which are coming out tomorrow morning. I guess if you're listening to this, the Oscar nominations are probably out. And we'll do an episode on that. Next week, yes, and I've been writing about them. But yeah, this is like the this is the last evening before we get them. Do you have any thoughts, any predictions, (laughs) any you know, anything that you'd like to see that you wouldn't like to see? I don't know. It's kind of a weird year. I feel like it could go any sort of way. Um, I feel like I've been happy to see how everything everywhere has kind of swept their various awards thus far. I think it was the Golden Globes, obviously, and then what was it? The Critics' Choice? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we also saw Brendan Fraser win for The Whale, which I like have such a soft spot for him and his story. So it's like hard to be mad at him, even though I didn't love that movie. And I'm not sure I want it to do anything more than potentially get him an Oscar nom. Um, but as far as predictions go, I don't know. I, I I feel like it'll be obvious. Like, do you think there'll be any twists, like any surprises? 
Well, I feel like the thing that's most interesting to me is sort of like the number of big budget sequels that we've got going on between the Avatar movie, Black Panther, Top Gun, Glass Mm. Onion. Mm. Also, you could sort of throw in like Elvis in there, even though it's not a sequel. It's like a big budget movie. And they've been getting a lot of awards attention. I feel like in general, the Oscars don't go for things like that. So I'm sort of interested to see how many of those make it into a bunch of categories. You know, people are predicting that lots of them are going to get lots of nominations. And I'm kind of like, this feels a little strange to me and I'm wondering if some of the smaller stuff isn't going to end up sort of busting through in the end even if it didn't make as much money you know it's like it's like the academy who theoretically are watching most of these movies like are they really going to be giving more things to um you know Avatar 2 than she said like yes Avatar 2 made so much more money and there's like more crafts and stuff but I don't know there's just there's certain movies are like women talking or the fablemans that you feel like are much more Oscar-y than some of these sequels and I'm intrigued to see what happens with them I feel like it's Banshees of Inishirin that will be the quiet film that could but I don't think she said is that like I don't know impactful like I watched it and it was like I don't know. It was good, but it, nothing like about its well, artistry I feel like or POV like stood out to me. You know, I sort of feel like the only two movies that are like traditional Oscary movies that are in the running at the moment are Banshees and Tar. Yeah, like everything else sort of feels a little bit yeah. weird. They got their you know popular movie. Uh, I guess the whale <laughs> thing they always wanted. Um, yeah, the whale. I would love like a surprise like triple R. I think. That would be great to see in Best Picture um, or for different acting noms, obviously the music nom. I also think a surprise hit for me would personally be Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Um, love so Marcel. those are the ones that I'd love to see a little surprise love for. Um, Have you watched After Sun yet? No, I haven't gotten around to that yet. I love After Sun and I feel like Paul Mescal could – potentially get nominated for best actor also that movie has just gotten so many critics prizes that i feel like if the academy has watched it and liked it that could pop up in a couple places which would be fun it's very tiny um also all quiet on the western front oh yeah that was good which is yeah yeah this like big german war epic i think it's incredible and it's gotten tons and tons and tons of craft nominations from the guilds and different um awards bodies so i'm interested to see if that sort of ends up being the international hit that scoops up a lot of nominations as the academy's gotten more and more international in the last couple of years well unfortunately marry me does not may have a chance at best song but but she could still be nominated for best actress oh yeah you're right (laughs) marry me could be best picture everybody (laughs) who's listening to this i heard that it was the most votes like the academy has ever gotten like is for marry me no 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 like the academy had the most people show up and actually vote this year than before oh interesting okay so i don't know if that again speaks to how like so many of these popularized movies actually made people motivated to vote or if they just have like a younger crowd that cares more at this point Um, will also be interesting because the 
whole thing that the Academy has been going on about for years is like, no one watches the Oscars because the movies that are nominated are old and stuffy. So I'm kind of interested to see if a bunch of big budget movies do get nominated. Does that actually make people watch or not? Because my suspicion is no. (laughs) But maybe. Uh, could be. Like, I'm not sure we're all of them going to have, you know, double the viewership because Avatar <laughs> is getting some sound it's nominations, like, you know? <laughs> but maybe. All those Tom Cruise stands have just been waiting on bated breath for their moment, so. Yeah, maybe if um My Policeman had been nominated, you know, there'd be some difference. Or, I mean, you my know, we, we still have the holdout for... um Don't worry, darling. Sweet Carolina <laughs> or whatever the Taylor Swift song is. So, Oh, yeah. Carolinas. Um, Do you think the Swifties would care a lot if that got nominated? No, I don't think there's a chance of it winning. And she's already been nominated right i don't think so i don't think she's ever been nominated for an oscar and i think that she would have to go to the award ceremony like i don't oh yeah i feel like there's no way she'd skip that and she'd definitely be performing oh well then i would love for that to happen but i i honestly don't even know what's like I guess you have the Top Gun song, you have the Black Panther song. So it seems like it'd be a stretch, a reach for that to pop up. And honestly, not the best story to be tied to. Um, even her fans are like, well, why are we doing this? So, her fans are say. feeling that way more and more all the time. <laughs> well, um, I wanted to ask you as a Beyonce fan how you felt about her decision to do a concert in Dubai. It was, I think, originally set to be Rihanna. Is that right? Am I remembering that right? Is that a fever dream? I, I, I didn't know anything about this until this weekend when you oh, were yeah. talking about it. Really. Well, it was this new hotel in Dubai. It was an invite-only, A-list, extremely hard to, like, obviously, you can't get ticket, but they're opening this huge, this new luxury hotel, and they were teasing this, like, special performer and then it came out like the day or two before it that it was Beyonce and this is Beyonce's first performance since Renaissance but the trick is she said that there would be or her team or whoever this the theory was there'd be no Renaissance songs on the set list and she was paid like 20 to 30 million dollars to show up at this event she did this private concert for I, I don't remember said it was like 35 Co. Oh. I yeah I don't know if it's been verified because there are a couple different sources out there saying what but she like shows up. She looks regal. She does her sort of like surprise performance that's really just a bunch of quieter songs. Like it's very much a small production. Um, and there was supposed to be no recordings, no videos during it. But <laughs> it was also like an influencer trip. And you know, those people can't, you know, drop their phones for a single minute. So a lot of it leaked. Um, and people have been enjoying it all day. Uh, did you get to watch any of it or? No, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, today was crazy, so oh, I didn't yeah, that's right. <laughs> watch any of it. But um, I part of me did wonder because it is like a more intimate sort of slowed down thing. And the fact that there wasn't supposed to be any recordings of it. And we saw it with like Baychella that she put a lot of work into this thing. And then, it, you know, she ended up using it in multiple sort of instances, one mm-hmm. being the Netflix documentary of it. Um, so I kind of wondered if maybe this is something that we will see in the future, um, 
a recording of it somewhere. Um, I haven't read anything about that. I feel like it's that. her being like, you know, I want this paycheck, but I'd rather people not like put too much weight on what I do there. Like it's like it's not her best work, right? Like it doesn't stand up to Bagel. It probably won't live up to like the visual album she's done for XYZ. So it's like, oh yeah, it's just an easy payday for her. But it feels like such a different energy because it's all of these like slowed down sort of acoustic sets. And she hasn't really done anything like that as of late. Um, You know, that's just more focused on vocals and less focused on dancing and stuff. Um, I mean, it's very true that she could have just said like, hey, you know, it's $35 million. Like, let me take this and go. Um, Because I mean, I guess she has she has lots of revenue streams, including like Ivy Park and stuff. But she's not quite as um, like businessy as someone like Rihanna is who, you know, has various sort of other projects going on at once. Um, So I don't know. Like I could this could just publicist did say there's more to come. Yeah. Footage. So um, I'm I'm wondering, yeah, if this isn't going to end up being some sort of uh, video or, or, you know, documentary or something, because it does make it sort of make a little bit more sense. Like someone like Beyonce, yes, it's a big paycheck, but it's not that big of a paycheck. And it's does feel sort of strange that she would just do this one off concert for a hotel. Um, and she's not going to do anything with like... it, but. It gives the ick, you know, Dubai isn't like the greatest <laughs> place in the world to like make some sort of statement film. It's There's a lot of controversy around uh, the country and it's anti-LGBT laws. And it's just like, hmm, you know, it seems like a capitalist queen move more than a serious artist like. I don't know, thinking about her next step or, or following up on something as queer as Renaissance and being like, JK, bitches, I'm doing <laughs> this soft set in Dubai. But, you know, what do I know? I, I'm i not the super genius artist yeah, globally I renowned. Mean, I do feel like in general, Beyonce is pretty in touch with these kind of things. Like, she's not... Mm, Tiffany spokesperson, so... I mean, I guess. But that's sort of like, <laughs> I mean... She threw a party at the hotel that was on strike just last year. So, which hotel was that? The famous LA one. They were on strike. Yeah, she literally crossed the like, picket line. Like, what do you mean they were on strike? They were asking like the for living wages. Yeah, but had like she booked it? And, like, I don't know. <laughs> I I feel like Beyonce in general. I I seen nobody's perfect, but sure. Yes, but less. She's not a succession. Yeah, and she's less. Uh, she, she. I feel like she sticks her neck out less often about some of this kind of stuff, you know, and puts her foot in her mouth. Like she's mm. not giving statements and things usually, so she can kind of uh, side skirt some of the drama. I don't know. I'm interested <laughs> to see where this goes, but it doesn't. Yeah, if it, it's weird to me, and I wouldn't be supporting Dubai, especially after. Well, I guess. Dubai is that's also where the um the World Cup was, yeah. No, where was that? That was um Qatar. Okay, and those are different places. Well, they're definitely different cities, but um, I thought Qatar was a country. I don't freaking know. Why are you testing me like what this? What country okay? is Dubai in? 
Is it also Qatar? I don't know. Because Dubai is, it's not like in Saudi Arabia. No. It's in, it's in what one, the one of those like rich, like weird little tiny countries. Is uh, UAE. Oh, United Arab Emirates. Hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How Anywho. do we feel about that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't well, know. I thought it was the same. It. <laughs> so it's not the same place though that did the, because the World Cup, they were like killing gay people recently, yeah, right? Yeah, you're right. It's so not... this is not that, but maybe it's the same. I don't know. Anywho, if there's a recording of this, I will be be very excited to watch it. Otherwise, I'm more pr- primed for A, the visual album for Renaissance, which I think is coming at some point, and B, the Renaissance tour, which I also think is coming soon-ish. Because um, theoretically, that would be this summer. And if she's going to be on tour this summer, she's going to have to release tickets in the near future so i'm like waiting with my breath held for that okay qatar is a country it is an arab country uh, along the persian gulf fun fact checking happening here um well i think they're all on the persian gulf aren't well, I they know. dubai is a city um so we were both right and wrong in very different ways. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so the moral of the story is Beyonce's fine. She's <laughs> she's she did nothing wrong. She's great. Oh, she's I fantastic. Don't know that's the moral. But anyway, the moral is that we should be more educated of our of our global reach. But it's fine. Um, I also wanted to talk about uh, another problematic fave. Um, oh gosh, who? Todrick Hall. <laughs> oh yes. This this story I'm excited to talk about. Have well, do, cause, did we talk about this at all? Yes, on... you you broke down that you used to you know the this the way that RuPaul's Drag Race has been trimmed down and then separated for this new hour of television, which is the Friends of WeHo, which is the reality show starring Todrick and other gays living it up in what I'm assuming is what is it West Hollywood. West Hollywood, although it's come out that none of the people on the show actually live in West Hollywood. (laughs) So that's also awkward. Yeah. So I got an earful from you about how stupid this was, how no one you knew was excited for this. And it had kind of ruined the viewing experience of Drag Race, particularly. Um, And so the first episode was on this week's show, and it bombed dramatically. you said it had like 13% on IMDb or something. No, it had one oh. out of 10 <laughs> on IMDb, like 1.2 or something. <laughs> and then stars. someone had a stat that that meant that like 90% of people who rated it on IMDb gave it a one out of 10 star rating, which is, <laughs> which is wild. Yeah. Um, well, my favorite piece of the story is how Todrick has responded to it because, you know, he is kind of a, divisive character and i can see why one that would be a tough uh stage to take like interrupting a show as beloved as rupaul's drag race so you're the cards are already stacked against you and if the show is at all like bad or struggling in its first season it's a rough it's a rough premiere but he instead of like being gracious about it or being like lol like let's move on, ignore the haters type thing. He's gone on this like social media campaign to play it off as like either like he's in on the joke 
or other people aren't like being supportive enough of the queer community to like let him live. I do not think it's him in on the joke. That (laughs) well, I mean, he did that like TikTok where he used the Regina Hall, like you know, uh, the Regina. I mean, Regina George, like famous Mean Girls moment where she goes in screaming about this fugly biatch and it turns out it's himself and i didn't understand exactly what the narrative he was trying to do was because it was like he rips up an eviction notice and then storms up and he he uses like lube as glue like it was like it's like someone it's like an ai generated meme almost so tantra call has been now I now I'm getting mixed up what I've told you about this in person <laughs> versus what we've talked about on the podcast. But he is like a he's obviously like a choreographer, dancer, actor question mark, um, who has been doing things, but has had a lot of uh I feel like he's sort of a James Corden, um, Ellen DeGeneres esque figure. I mean, obviously a lot less famous, but in that there's just sort of all of these kind of negative stories brewing around them. Um, that they did haven't paid rent on various properties, that their dancers aren't like haven't been paid, and that if you want money for from Todrick, it takes a long time to get it, and you sort of have to like hound him or his team about it a lot um he was on the celebrity big brother and made some sort of like fat shamey comments he was really rude to a lot of the people in the house so much so that when it came to the final vote he lost unanimously so he's not necessarily a beloved figure in general and then he's sort of but he's definitely the most famous of the six guys who are going to be on this sort of like real housewives-esque franchise um and so i think from the jump a lot of people didn't like it because he was on there to begin with and then and then you have the whole thing which i've read articles on and tweets and stuff on both sides of that mtv shortened the episode length of rupaul's drag race and then also separated it from untucked it's sort of like behind the scenes show and shoehorned these hour-long real friends of WeHo episodes in between. And Todrick sort of was like, has said, well, like MTV was going to do this anyways, even without us, like our show is only six episodes long. So that's like way shorter than the drag race season. Um, But I definitely think that there was some sort of marketing, obviously to (laughs) stick this in between those two. Um, Well, did you see Instagram about it? Yes. Oh, well, yeah. So I was getting to that. So then, so, so there's all of this kind of like negative energy around him um, and the show. And then everybody decides that they want to, that they're mad about the show because it's ruining RuPaul's Drag Race. I mean, and the episodes have been very short and Mm. annoying to watch. And then, and then of course the show did horrifically bad in numbers. (laughs) They also had a, uh, I don't know if you saw this plot line, but whoever was doing the Twitter account for the real friends of WeHo was sort of like reacting to things and sort of making jokes about how bad the show was doing and how many people hated the show. And then all of those tweets got deleted. At one point, they tweeted that 20,000 people had watched the show, um, which are is like a ridiculously known, low number, given that the <laughs> amount of people who watched RuPaul's Drag Race was like 700,000 or something. So it's like a tiny, 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 fraction um and then i saw some tiktoker who was talking about like how 
lots of people just leave TVs on. And so like the number of people who actually watched it could be like at least like three quarters attributed to people who had just turned the TV on at some point or had the TV on MTV and that it had just stayed on and people weren't actually even watching it. Um, But all of this to say, I think a lot of the stars have spoke out in various ways about the show, but mostly with tact. However, Todrick went on sort of a Billy Eichner-esque (laughs) <laughs> rampage I think about how like if you're queer you need to be watching this show and you need to be supporting it and it's the first time that you know a two and a half hour all gay block on MTV has ever happened mm-hmm. and you know if and like when the show got cast they all thought that there would be negative reviews but they would but that it would come from people like Fox News and that it shouldn't be coming from other gay people and gay people shouldn't be tearing down gay people's work and all of this stuff. Um, and then and then there were also criticisms about how the show just basically focuses on these like six rich gay men who live in California and doesn't focus on like actual gay people. And then he was... Com- uh, saying you know like but nobody complains about Real Housewives for that which it's like I think Real Housewives does get a lot of complaints about the <laughs> fact that they're all like these rich out of touch people um, and he released some statement that are on his Instagram the, like the Instagram post you should go look at if you ever want to see just like an example of how to flail around spectacularly because it's like all of these handwritten notes in a (laughs) like picture collage but the notes are all in sort of different handwriting or there's various different handwritings and so I'm like is this did he write all of these did he have his team write some of them like it's sort of confusing um and one of them has to do with how the average salary for a gay man is actually higher than the average salary for a straight man and so therefore having everybody on the show be wealthier actually makes sense and is representation because most gay people are wealthier than straight men um which i'm like of all of the arguments to be pulling out of your sleeve to try to get people (laughs) to support this show that seems the most ludicrous um yeah, the first episode did horribly. Uh, the second episode, I guess, comes out on Friday. We'll see if that managed to pick up at all. But it's gotten terrible views, and I don't even know anybody who has hate watched it. Like I sort of thought, <laughs> eh, like maybe I'll I'll see like you know people on my Instagram or Twitter like you know tweeting out bad parts of it. But I haven't even seen any of that. Yeah, no, it's it's funny like the Billy Eckner stuff and all of that, like. There's this idea that there's an appropriate way to respond, which, of course, is easy to say, sitting from our comfort, like, blah, blah, blah. He obviously feels some type of way. But it is, like, the dialing up of the, like, spotlight on it isn't doing him any favors. So it's sort of like, (laughs) let the show speak for itself and find its audience if it's going to. And instead of yelling about how they were treating you, like, a Trump show and everyone wanted you to get kicked off the TV and there were, you know, campaigns or whatever. It's like, just talk about what was great about this show and like show the clip of Issa Rae on it. Like, you know, like it's just like weird to watch this sort of oppression Olympic style rant instead of just being like, cause to his point, the housewives that I've seen 
welcome any conversation about them and just roll with it and live in their privileged little bubbles without worrying about what the lay people think. And so it it's like sad <laughs> to watch a man feel so victimized. Um, but there is something funny about the tin carousel, like handwritten, non-notes app style um, musings. <laughs> With his like giant signature on just the last one. Signature. And it's just funny to think of these people who have no like self-awareness to how they come across and like I don't know, you kind of wish there was someone in his life who could sit him down and be like, Todrick, like, these are inside feelings. Like, these are inside circle opinions that you can just, like, say to yourself and keep within this bubble instead of continuing to make yourself, like, memeable in the worst ways. Yeah, I am interested to see what uh, happens with his bestie, Taylor Swift. Uh, Will she get dragged (laughs) into this at all? She has not mentioned it, uh, and I don't know if he mentioned her. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is like you definitely know that he uh, reached out to her at some point and was like, hey, if you wouldn't <laughs> mind uh, uh, tweeting about the show. And she was like, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Tadra, yeah, I'll have to ask my um, team about, you know, we're doing a it's a very specific um, uh, social media strategy at the moment. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't I, I mean, it's not up to me, really. Um. The, well, I'll have to ask my manager. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Her those videos will from later. Look what you made me do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, you need to calm down. You need to calm down. And Whatever, I was a co-producer. Thing. Okay. Okay. So. Um, blah, blah, blah. Um, um, okay. Anything else or should we get into love it or hate it? Well, I do want to touch on this story that delighted me. I think it's a reach, but um, Selena Gomez, she's been in the news. Um, one, because it was rumored oh, that she's thruple. been dating. Yeah, she's been dating like uh, one of the chain smokers. Um, but then she posted and was like, no, I'm not. And then she was spotted holding hands with him. And so then it's like, oh, what's going on? But the juicier story is that since Christmas, she's been – hanging out incessantly with um uh brooklyn wait beckham brooklyn beckham and his new wife um nicola peltz yeah peltz brooklyn beckham famously took her last name which is delightful but they and there's all this drama around brooklyn beckham and his wife's relationship where it's like she's a little older than him and supposedly he's so obsessed with her that he was like these are all like insider you know uh unverified quotes but basically that he's like i'll i'll do whatever you want like however you want to live like we'll do stuff with your family more than mine like it's all you 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 um but anyways it all came to a head over new year's when it was like they were seen together, Selena Gomez and this newly married couple, just like snuggling, touching, holding hands, taking cuddly photos together, very physical. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, are they like a throuple? Like, are they intimate with one another? And she fed the fire by posting a series of photos after the rumors came out that was like, fine, call us a throuple or whatever. 
And then on top of that, the news broke over the last week that they had moved in with her, uh, supposedly because they were in between houses. They had just sold their house and were looking for somewhere to move. And since they didn't have anywhere, Selena was just like, well, I'll move in with me. And I think it's a situation where she's like really close with um, the wife. And so then that might just be the energy there. And so she's they're just having this fun gal pal time while Brooklyn Beckham is just like in awe of them. <laughs> But I'm very curious to see how it plays out. I kind of doubt it's an actual thruple. It seems sort of like the tease that we got with um, Taika Waititi and um, Oh, yes, Tessa Thompson and and Rita Ora. And so it feels like maybe they are kind of flirty. Maybe there is like blurred lines there. But I doubt it's like they're going to formalize this relationship in any ways. But it was still kind of a fun uh, pop culture moment. So maybe this marks the beginning of a new phase of life for her. Um, She does love a trio moment. So this is just her romantic life. mimicking her duality with them once upon a murder every murder in the building or whatever well so nicola peltz is famously the daughter of like a billionaire um like money 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 like way more money than the beckhams have and brooklyn beckham also like isn't i mean he's famous for being he's a chef um, (laughs) He's a chef? Is that what he said? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I feel like he's gone through a series, because uh, I used to follow all the Beckhams on Instagram for some oh, reason wow. or another. And he, they're very interesting to follow because they're all like good. They're all like friends. And really at this point, like none of them are, have careers, yeah. sort of. <laughs> um, so they're all just like hanging out with each other at these various like events um, and not really doing anything. Uh I guess Victoria Beckham has a fashion line. So there's that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Brooklyn Beckham doesn't really do anything. And so I guess it does kind of make sense that if he's obsessed with this like hot older woman who is, has like billions upon billions of dollars that he would be like, okay, well, I guess my career is just like hanging out with you because (laughs) what else am I doing with my time? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I am, I'm sort of, I feel like it speak. the thing that I have taken away most from this is that it speaks to Selena Gomez as a human being. I think <laughs> that she's friends with them because both of them seem like sort of annoying and weird to me. Um, and I don't, and having watched the Selena Gomez yeah. documentary in which I felt like she also came across as kind of like an annoying person, um, and then also she's obviously friends with Taylor Swift, who I also think is an annoying person. Like, I'm like, huh, maybe Selena Gomez is just kind of weird. Like that's, I mean, I think she what, dated Justin Bieber for like a decade. So that's yeah. also true. That's also true. Um, and if she was maybe hooking up with one of the chain smokers who, yeah. who that, that the threesomes of the chain smokers and fans have been <laughs> substantiated. They admitted to that. Um, but, yeah, I'm like, huh, maybe Selena Gomez, um, not my favorite person to root for at the moment. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, I didn't like her documentary either. I mean, the documentary itself wasn't necessarily bad, but I felt like it definitely, I mean, it was honestly almost good because I think it did paint her to be 
deranged. Um, <laughs> but I think it did not come across the way that she had maybe hoped it would. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was very interesting. Um, but anyways, okay. Any more stories or should we get into love it or hate it? Let's do love it or hate it. Um, did I t- Have I talked about the traitors yet on this podcast? No. Okay. Please continue. I would like to talk about the traitors, okay. which is... Is this a sponsored a- post? I mean, it might as well be because I did write two articles about it on BuzzFeed. Okay. I think only one of them is up at the moment, but the second one forthcoming. Okay. Um, the Traders is an incredible new reality television show on Peacock that is basically the card game Mafia. I don't know, or I guess it's called Werewolf at certain places. It's like bodies, um, bodies, bodies, right? Yes. Yeah. I. Th- I mean. Yeah, bodies, bodies, bodies is more physical um, than this is. But basically, it's the game where, you know, there's a bunch of people. Some of them are mafia, or in this case, called traitors. The rest of the people are townsfolk, or on this show, they're called faithful. And each night, or in each, I guess, round of play in in this game, or on the TV show, it's a day. Every night, the traitors get to murder one of the members of the faithful. And then the next day, they wake up, and the faithful have to, and everybody sort of, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, like, so-and-so died. Um, and they, and the faithful has to sort of try to suss out who in the mix is a traitor. Um, and then every evening, there is a vote, and they vote to banish one of the people in the group. So <laughs> through a series of murders and banishments, the group like dwindles down to numbers, and the faithful's goal is to eliminate all of the traitors. The traitor's goal is to stay till the end. If in the final grouping of people there is a traitor, they take the money. Um, if it's all faithfuls, the faithfuls split the money. Um, and there's like challenges and stuff also along the way that sort of don't play into it very much. But it's really just fun to watch these because uh, it's like half reality TV stars and then half normal people um, like try to figure out who is guilty or not based based on largely nothing but like hunches and how these people behave so you know it'll be like oh well this person like because the traders know what's happening and the faithfuls do not so right. the traders have to pretend like they are also surprised and then the faithfuls are looking around being like who looks like they are pretending when they actually know and so they're pulling all kinds of you know weird body language uh analytics and hunches and well this person said this and then there's some people in the mix who are just chaotic in general so that's throwing everybody off it's a lot of fun to watch and it's only 10 episodes on peacock and i binged it real quick um yeah peacock doesn't do weekly well it does sometimes but for this i think because it is a really bingeable show they just dumped it all at once (laughs) nice so yeah it's kind of like how um you know, like the circle or whatever, like right. sometimes has weird uh, release structures. Um, I feel like reality TV shows, sometimes they do it in weird ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have been watching The Last of Us, which is the... Oh, I still haven't watched this. It's the new HBO show based on the very famous um, video game that's like a zombie show. Um, and I haven't played the video game i honestly hadn't heard of the video game but it's a big deal 
and people were excited and I love a zombie show. So I was excited for it. I think it's really well done. Pedro Pascal's in it. Um, the star of Catherine called Birdie plays the other main character and According to Twitter, it's doing a great job of adapting its source material, which honestly, it's kind of it's kind of giving me an ick, like because so much of my feed will just be like side by side scenes from both the show and the movie, and people are like, "Oh my gosh, they included this scene," and it's like literally the same dialogue, and like the whole show is pitched not pitched. A lot of the reviews are like, this is the greatest adaptation of a video game ever made. And I'm like, well, when you look at the source material for The Last of Us, which is a very uniquely narrative heavy video game, it's like, how can you compare this to any other video game movie? Like, you know, like, I don't think you can compare it to the making of Mario or like (laughs) Sonic the Hedgehog or Dungeons and Dragons. Like, it just seems like this is literally just taking it from one you know, um, what's the word? Like source and then making it a movie for those who didn't want to play the video game. Not to say it's bad and not to say that that robs it of its creativity. It's just that I don't think I need reminded of it every day of how it's like a carbon copy. Like I just, I don't think it's adding anything (laughs) for me to see so much talk about the original source material because it's like, it takes away the magic for me or something or it's like, okay, like why are we doing this if it's just the same? And if The Last of Us is such a big moment for video games because it kind of changed what it could be and it is such a narrative plot, then it's sort of like, hmm. <laughs> but yeah. all in all, it's good. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch it. I'll start it at some point here. Um yeah, it is interesting to compare it to other video games, which I and I feel like part of the problem with video game movies in general is that video games don't yeah. have that much of a narrative, and then they're trying to come up with one to <laughs> yeah. fit the characters. Um, and you know, some films such as the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise <laughs> do a great job of that, where others do not. Um, yeah, but yeah, this is more like a book adaptation almost, which yeah. again are tricky, you know, well, just even because. Like- it works in one because it is so there isn't the di- there isn't the inner monologuing of a film of a s- book it's like have you seen the comparison videos on twitter of like the wow they included this scene and then they just show you the movie the tv scene and then the video game scene and it's like the characters are standing the same way they're like <laughs> emphasizing the same words and it's like <laughs> So what you're telling me is the video game is just an interactive movie. Like that's that's what yeah, I No, I think that is what the video <laughs> game is. Um I mean I guess we'll see as it goes on like if they made any changes to it yeah. or not, but And um, obviously it's like longer and obviously there's plans for this to have multiple seasons. So it's like I recognize there's an artistry to adapting this even with such a rich um uh source material. It and it is like is it's really well done. It's um beautifully shot like I think it'll be a good show it's has I think 10 episodes they're rolling out weekly on HBO so two episodes are out so far and um I think knowing kind of looking up what the video game's like it'll be interesting to see how they eventually have to dig in I guess what they've been doing is adding more backstory to the like 
how we got here story, like the origins of the disease itself. And those scenes are always really provocative and thought provoking where it's like, oh shit, like this is scary. So they do a really good job with the suspense and the um, terror of a genre that can sometimes feel campy and overdone. So I think it's good and I've been enjoying it and I think it'll just continue to be a, a good time for any zombie lovers out there. Okay. Well, I'll be excited to watch uh, sometime soon <laughs> yeah. in the near future. Get uh, around to it. Uh. Okay. Well, we have lots of things to watch in the near future because uh, our 2023 is just starting and there are dozens and dozens and dozens of movies that will be coming out this year. And we will be talking about 30 of them on our annual 2023 film preview that's coming out Thursday. Shelby and I have each picked some movies that we are very excited for and ones that we are not excited for at all. And we will be guessing the Rotten Tomatoes scores and trying to figure out um, which of these will suck and which of them <laughs> will be great. And yeah, it, it'll be interesting to talk through um, as as it is every year and see how how correct we get and how, uh, how many grave errors we make. Um, <laughs> In the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Otherwise, we'll be back on Thursday. Bye.